Well, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there's been many times in my life where I'm trying to help someone, or they ask me for my advice or whatever, and I'm trying to explain what I think is a good idea, and we often will have this big, giant disconnect between the two of us. And you know what often is that big disconnect? Is maybe I'm trying to give that person advice, and I just don't have any idea what they're going through. And so I can try to say, oh, you should do this, or, or you should do that, or, you know, if you did this, maybe you'd be better. Oh, I know your parents are like this, but maybe you should. Well, and they go, you just have, you, you do not understand what I'm going through. You had parents that were nice to you, that got along, and so on and so forth. You never really wanted for anything, and you're trying to give me advice, and what do you know? You, you, know, you don't understand what I'm going through. So oftentimes when you're younger, that's that way too, right? They just look at you, you're younger, and they go, what do you know? You're just too young. And sometimes when you get older, they do the same thing, don't they? They go, oh, you're old, you don't know anything, right? We, we sometimes can have this disconnect because we say, you don't understand what I'm going through. That's why so often when people are trying to help others with drug addictions or whatnot, people that have gone through it, that have experienced it, have had that life experience themselves are so much more effective because they do understand. You know, I think sometimes when uh, war veterans, especially the really difficult ones where they really had to do difficult things, you know, my, my grandpa wouldn't talk about World War II. He just wouldn't, you know, he just, no way. He just wouldn't talk about it. He had Omaha Beach, and I think it was a really terrible experience, so he just would never talk about it. But when he'd get together with the guys that had been there and done it before, that had gone through that same experience as him, they didn't even have to talk about it. They just knew. They had this shared experience. They knew what it was like. They identified together. And today, as we go in 1 Corinthians, what Paul kind of does here is he goes through and he says, you know what? This kind of thing's happened before, and these kind of things have been demonstrated for you, and you should be able to identify with them. So let's go on and look at verse 1. It says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea. Okay. Our fathers, he's probably referencing maybe more like spiritual fathers because this is probably more Gentiles. But if you want to know, brothers, our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. What do you guys, this is like a Sunday school story. If any of you have been to Sunday school, what, what story is this? Does any, Exodus. Exodus. Yes. This is where Israel, when they followed God, they had to follow a cloud, and they, of course, God parted the Red Sea, right? So he says, our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And you might say to yourselves, okay, what does that have to do with Corinth? Who, yeah, the Corinthians aren't passing through the Red Sea. They're certainly not following God based on some kind of cloud. Why should this matter? Why would this be a good example for them to follow? How can they identify in any way? We go on to verse 2. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Baptized into Moses. I've given this speech a lot of times. So men, on Wednesday nights, I'm sure you've memorized this, so you're going to have it down. Ladies, you may not have heard it as many times. Alex has heard it 25 million times, all right? So he could probably give you the speech. The word baptize, you know, there's really not, it's not really an English word. See, this is what happened. They're translating the Bible, 
And they get to this Greek word. And the Greek word is baptizo. And they go, what does baptizo mean? Well, the number one meaning for baptizo is immerse. The number two meaning is like pour, and there's other meanings, but the number one is immerse. So, when the King James translation was done in 1611, what was the preferred method of baptism? Infant baptism, sprinkling or pouring or whatever, not immersing. So, this is going to be awkward. So rather than actually translate the word baptize, they don't translate all. Actually, this happens like they have big fights over it. So if you have like an ecumenical group trying to translate something into Spanish, when you get to the word baptizo, how, what Spanish word should you use? And you know what they sometimes do there when there's a group of people that some do infant baptism, some by immersion, you know what they do? They make up a new word in Spanish that sounds something like baptize or baptizo or whatever. And so that's what they did here in English too, right? They just made up a new English word, baptized. So when it says, you all were baptized into Moses, this likely, when talking about Moses, has nothing to do with like dunking into the water per se. I mean, they, they kind of went through water, right? They kind of did, but none of them got wet. So the reason people would get baptized, they would immerse themselves back then, was to identify with a particular group. So why did they get baptized? They, why did they, you know, when, they, when John the Baptist and he did his thing and then they want to identify with that, they would get baptized to tell the world they were, they were part of that group. And so he's saying here, all were baptized into Moses. When you decided to go across the Red Sea, you decided to identify with Moses. But I actually think he uses the word baptizo here on purpose. Because in the same way that Moses had to identify, the people had to identify with Moses in the same way, how do we as Christians identify that we are Christians? We get baptized to tell everyone we are Christians. And I think we'll see in the various verses here going forward, Paul is constantly saying, this is what it was like in the past. And look how it's similar to today. It's, it's very different in some ways, but in some ways there's these connections that we're going through a similar thing. He says in verse 3, all ate the same spiritual food. What's the spiritual food he's probably talking about that the fourth fathers ate? Manna, right? The manna from heaven, that was the spiritual food. What spiritual food do we eat? We take communion, right? So we eat something as well. Now, did the manna give them eternal life? No, no. It just kept them from being hungry, right? Which was, which was great. Does the spiritual food of communion give us eternal life? No, no, it doesn't. It just reminds us of what Christ did for us. We go on to verse 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink. What was their spiritual drink? For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So they drank from the, you remember the stories in the Old Testament about the rock? We'll go over them here in a second, but what do we drink from? What's our spiritual drink? The communion cup, right? We have a spiritual drink as well. And actually, this idea of the drinking from a spiritual rock is kind of interesting. 
I'm going to remind you just quickly of the two times. I'm going to give a couple verses here of the two times it happened. It really happened at the beginning of Israel's time in the wilderness and then more towards the end. It says in Exodus 17, 6, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So the first time he strikes the rock, all is well, water comes out, they drink. And then, of course, you remember the next time when they're complaining that they're thirsty, God tells him to speak to the rock, and he doesn't, right? He says, then Moses and Aaron gathered and assembled together before the rock, and he said to them, here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. Now, What's kind of interesting, I, I read this and this week and I found it really interesting. In like Jewish interpretation of this, this is how they understand it. They think there is one rock. And that rock actually was the same rock that he struck the first time and the same rock he struck the second time. And that rock actually went with them everywhere they went and provided water for them the entire time they were in the desert. I do not know if that is true or not. But that is what they would understand that the rock would be. And so we see here, for they drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them. So, so whether that was true or not, Paul is probably alluding to this story that the rock followed them around and the rock was Christ. So in the same way that they may have had a rock that followed them, we also have a rock that goes with us. Right? And that rock is Christ, Christ being the chief cornerstone. So he's continually referencing things in the Old Testament, yet then trying to connect them to the things that the Corinthians would have identified with. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they, they were overthrown in the wilderness. And of course, if you're familiar with the stories in the Old Testament, God's people always disobey, and God always has to punish them. Seems like that's how it goes. We go to verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. So he makes all these connections. He tries to say, look, it's, there's similarities here. There's things you should be able to identify with here. And you should be able to look at them and say, I'm not going to do the same thing. This is why sometimes you say, well, you're kind of a dispensationalist, or that's a fancy word for it. You see a separation between Israel and the church. What's the value of the Old Testament? Well, I mean, Paul says the Old Testament is valuable these very stories, though they're not the same in every way, provide value to us to teach us. You know, what there was a, what was it, a Spanish philosopher that said, those who do not know the past are doomed to repeat it. And so often knowing what before, came before is so important, you know. And as pro athletes, we, always, we often hear the stories, the pro athletes, he goes and he gets rich and then he blows all his money, right? And then he's made $100 million in his career, minus taxes, and he retires 15 years into the league, Antoine Walker, and he's totally baroque. So what does the NBA, the NFL, and whoever else try to do to keep people from doing this? They tell the stories of the previous athletes. They bring him into a conference. They'll even have guys like Antoine Walker come up, and Antoine Walker will say, don't do what I did. Do not do what I did. And they use them as examples. And the Old Testament are examples for us. We can see what happens when we choose evil. Every time we turn away from God, 
we see the negative effects. We go on to verse 7. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So he says, listen, we're, we can identify together. We're similar in so many ways. Don't do what they did. The first thing is, don't be idolaters. They rose up to play. And of course, what's that a reference to? The time of the Ten Commandments. And they rose up early in the next day and offered bird offerings and brought peace offering. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that's the time of the Ten Commandments. We go on to verse 8. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. I would be shocked if any of you know what this story this references. The story of the Old Testament where there's sexual immorality and 23,000 people fell. I'll read it for you. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. Those, these invited the people to sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord. This is really rough. That the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Why we can't make most of the Bible into movies right here is the story, okay? And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family. And, the sight of, and in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent, he brings this woman and they see him. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. This is probably what story is referencing to. But you may have noticed, what's the number? 24,000. What was the number in Corinthians? 23,000. Why is it 1,000 off? I'll give you two options. One is, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty loose and free with rounding my numbers. You know, that is a really common thing. We all do it. You just, you know, you give a number, you know, whatever, you know, how much does that cost? You know, 10 bucks. Does it cost 10 bucks? Of course not. You know, I mean, if someone tells you something costs 10 bucks, they're almost surely rounding it. So we, we can be very loose and goose with rounding. Another possibility, and someone suggested, I don't know if I would buy this. With, I think it's probably just loose rounding, is the, the number of people that died with uh, during the time of the Ten Commandments was 3,000. So one author argues that he conflates the two numbers together. And so he says 24,000, 23,000, because there were 3,000 that died at the time of the Ten Commandments. You be the judge. You can decide what you think. But that is probably the story that he's referencing. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Some of you probably remember this story. 
And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit people so that many people of Israel died. We're going to move on here. It says, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Who's the destroyer? Uh, we just don't know. I mean, we really do not know who the destroyer is. We go on to verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, anyone who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I'd like to say is this. It is incredibly true that there are things that happen in your life that I can't identify with. I don't have the same number of brothers and sisters of you. I didn't live in the same kind of house you lived in. I wasn't a part of the same kind of marriage that you may have been a part in. I cannot identify with everything you have gone through. But you know what? Somebody has. Somebody has. And when we look through the stories, especially the so many of the stories of the Old Testament, there have been so many more difficult, people that have lived so much more difficult, hard lives than I had to live. And they have gone through it. And it is so great to be able to read the scriptures and be able to identify with them and say, you know what? Someone has gone through this before. And I know I will not be tempted beyond what I'm able. It's great to be able to find someone in our life that knows what we're going through. But you know what? God has been here since the very beginning. And he has worked with every kind of person that's gone through every kind of difficulty. And he can identify with you in a way that a pastor like me never could. That is why our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ is so important. People, spiritual leaders in our lives, we, we can only go so far. We can only connect with you so much. But God can connect with us on a personal, infinite level that no human ever could. He's seen it all. It's all been done. So much of it written down in the Old Testament. And therefore, God is with us. And we are tempted to do things either we shouldn't or just move away from Him in a way we shouldn't. We're facing nothing that hasn't been faced before. And God can be there for us in a special way. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this wonderful morning. We just thank you that you can identify with us. That when we're going through problems and we're going through, it feels like no one we know understands. That nobody understands. You know, maybe it is true. We don't know that anyone, we don't know anyone that understands. But we know you understand. So many people have gone through difficulties, struggles that I cannot even imagine going through. Can't even imagine wanting to live through. But you, Lord, are there for us. You know what our struggles are. You can identify. But we thank you so much. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.